1: When you need to know what's happening, it's 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 time to get In the Huddle with Carl Dukes, Brian Baldinger, and Jason LaConfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle, guys. Carl Dukes put him up along with my man, Brian Baldinger, and Jason LaConfora. The crew is here. It's another edition of In the Huddle. Subscribe, like us, and of course, we want you to not miss an episode. So tell your friends, guys, and you can watch us In the Huddle pod, okay, on YouTube and not miss anything guys we're counting down in the Super Bowl but we got a lot of other stuff going on and, and Jason I, I want to start with Mike McDonald because you're there he uh, obviously put the best defense in the league together had an incredible season we know the Ravens came up short but he gets the job and now is the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks tell us about McDonald and Bodie I want to get your take on just from a schematic standpoint what he does and what he tries to do, and is is he going to be able to do that in Seattle? But, Jason, what's up with Mike McDonald?
2: Well, look, he, he's an unassuming guy. Um, he, he's in many ways the antithesis of his predecessor here in Baltimore, Wink Martindale, in terms of the bluster, um, in terms of the delivery, in, in terms of the um, outward facing personality. He, he lets a lot of his best work be done by the film. Um, but certainly someone who grew into the role and the things that go into it besides just calling plays a lot more. I think the second year than the first year became a little more comfortable in the skin, became a little more comfortable um, as one of the leaders of the team, as one of the spokesmen of the team, as someone who was going to be meeting with the media on a daily basis. Um, and, and look, when you're one of the younger guys in the league doing a job that prominent, there is going to be some adjustment and there's going to be a feeling out process. And he went through some of that, excuse me, in the 2022 season. Um, But, you you know, I talked to so many people in this league really since about late October, early November about this hiring cycle. And there wasn't anybody who then didn't think that Mike McDonald was going to have as good of a chance as anybody out there to get one of these jobs. And of the guys who had not done it before, of the sort of the rising coordinators, you know, younger guys who have never been a head coach at any level, but are crushing it at the coordinator level, you know, you heard two names all the time, Ben Johnson, Mike McDonald, like those guys are going to have a say in this thing, like Mm -hmm. they're going to have opportunities, Mm -hmm. plural, to interview for these jobs. And in all likelihood, more than one owner will probably like to hire them. And look, I don't think McDonald was necessarily the initial flavor of the day out there in Seattle. Um, But they did their due diligence. They let it play out. Um, You know, Dan Quinn, Mike Vrabel had relationships with people in that building. Some thought that might carry the day. It obviously didn't. Uh, I think they're getting a hell of a football coach. And the thing that Mike McDonald really capitalized on is if you just look at the Ravens' schedule, and they've got that late buy, and then the way things set up, right, like they faced the Rams, and that Rams offense had a, had a great thing going. They played Jacksonville in a one-game window on national television where if you're thinking of firing your head coach and you'd like to get your owner to consider a guy who's a relative no-name, hey, boss, let's watch that one together from your couch. Hey, boss, they're playing San Francisco, and, you know, there's nothing else on. That's the guy I was telling you about. Why don't we watch that one together on the plane or whatever and see how that goes? Hey, Miami, he had these opportunities <clears throat> down the stretch, right? What they did to Houston a week after Houston, frankly, shredded Jim Schwartz, shredded a guy who we think was at the top of his game. So I, I think that really helped build a case for a guy who, Paul, do you know, is not out there working the media, is not out there working the analyst, doesn't have an agent calling people all the time about why well, you should hire my guy isn't sending press clippings every week to people in the media about how great of a coach that guy is. None of well, that. He just wants to coach football.
3: You well, know, just think about this, though, Carl and Jason. I mean, he just went to work for John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, and John Harbaugh. Yeah. Like, he's he's been in winning buildings. Yeah, He came from the college. He, 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 he was coaching linebackers with Wink in Baltimore. Understood the blitz concepts. You know, let's kill the quarterback. How are we going to do it? Goes to Michigan, they get him to the final four. Um basically Jim gave him, you know, carte blanche. You know, this is your defense. You run it. Um, Wink gets, you know, th- there's a change there with Wink. Let's bring Mike back. Let's make him in. so he's he's coached the position. He's coached, he's been the coordinator, he's done it at college, he's done it at the pro. Oh, by the way, he's 36 years old. You know, I mean, he's the youngest coach in the league. Like, get him young, get him young that he's not gonna have all the answers, but John Schneider is a hell of a GM. They have drafted very well in Seattle. He doesn't have to worry about that, but if they want a set of eyes on this defensive end, you know, um, or this defensive tackle at Texas or whatever, uh, tell me what you think. Um, And he might know a lot of these college kids, obviously from his time at Michigan. So he's going to give them that perspective. I think it's a great hire because honestly, um, Jason, when I was there on Sunday, I went and talked to Rod Woodson, who obviously does – the color yeah. for Ravens radio. And we were just talking about Mike and the defense. And um, you know, it's it's good to get a you know a Hall of Fame perspective on all this. And what he was saying is like just how simple this really is what he's doing. And it's it's not it's not rocket science in what they're teaching and how they're putting guys in position and all that kind of stuff. And and then they go out and play like they did. Uh it certainly helped that they got Van Noy and Genevian and some of the guys they picked up, but um, you know, it's uh, it, it's a system defensively at least that it could be taught in one off season, and it could be you know learned and, and applied. And I think you know that's that's a good thing. And then we'll see. Obviously, he's got to put the coaching staff together. We'll be interested to see where he goes.
1: Yeah, I you know we talk about it right, Baldy. Uh You know, simple. Keep it simple. Guys can play fast. Uh, you, you're not thinking too much you know and the way that they switched things up it gave it gave teams a lot of problems guys i think jason we talked about it right the only guy that really got after them this season was that Staff- well, well, yeah, yeah stafford that was it i mean even in the second half of this
2: afc championship game guys they didn't do anything raven they didn't them. do anything in the final nine drives they didn't do anything after the first quarter 3.4 yards per play after the after the first two drives So Three points six punts turnover on uh, on downs and kneel to end the game that's the final nine drives 3 but points but you know if you look at the
3: personnel in Baltimore they you know Gino Stone you know was amongst the leaders in interceptions he's a backup mm-hmm. player you know Ronald Darby came in he was probably playing better than Marlon Humphrey <laughs> Marlon. Yeah. faster uh you look at all the changes that they had and then you look at a guy like just say Kyle Hamilton who I think is their best defensive player and he had a great game he's probably the best defensive player in the field sunday but would could Kyle if Kyle Hamilton was in Philadelphia or New York, would he be Kyle Hamilton? Like I don't know. I don't know if right. he would. Like he might still. I mean, he's a great talent. He's a great kid. He's oh, he's got everything going for him. But the way that they use him and how they match him up. I mean, look, Kelsey caught the pass against him. It it's a Mahomes classic throw. Yeah. But he can't cover him any any better than he covered him. You know, I just think the way that he and he's got chess pieces there with Witherspoon and. And some of the guys there in Seattle, like I think this thing has a chance of being real good, real fast. Um, the way that he deploys players, the way that he blitzes, he doesn't blitz like Wink does. He blitzes differently. He blitzes, but you know they're basically um, they're 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 a a perceived pressure team more than just a pressure team. They're going to show you pressure and then bail and maybe bring one linebacker, but they're not this max. Blitz team, every down. Like, they pick their spots. They're pretty clever about it.
1: Yeah, but they're guys up front, Baldy. And this is the thing about Seattle. As we're talking about Mike McDonald, it's in the huddle, guys. Subscribe, like us, tell your friends so you don't miss an episode. His guys up front were able to get after the quarterback, though, right? Those front guys. Is Seattle, will he have that there?
3: Oh yeah,
2: Mafia's not a bad start.
3: Well, Mafia had a good season. I'm interested to see if he brings Chuck Smith with him. Because Chuck Smith made a big difference in Baltimore as a pass rush specialist coach. And he really knows how to work with individual players, not just defense linemen, linebackers, corner safeties, anybody in splits. it. he's, it's under his thumb how they're being trained and how they're winning. One of the reasons why they led the league in sacks. So I'd be interested to see if I don't know what his contract status is, Jason. Like if he was a one-year deal with John.
2: I, I would think it was more than a like. I know like Denard Wilson was definitely a one-year deal. Yeah, I would think Chuck Smith, first time you know coaching NFL full-time. It would be more than a one-year deal. Um, I'll tell you this: John Harbaugh lets Chuck Smith walk out the door with Adafe Owe and David Ajabo both a problem. having shown a, not a whole lot. Yeah. That'd be a problem. Like right. and Chuck Smith here in Baltimore, because I don't know if Clowney's coming back. He might have priced himself out. And if you know, even if he does, is he going to have that season again? Kyle Van Noy yeah. is he coming back? If he does, is he going to do that two years in a row? Like they better get Adafe Owe, David Ajabo. Better be able to rush the passer next year or they got problems.
1: I agree. So let's move to what happened with Ben Johnson. I'm going to be devil's advocate here for a second. I just want to get you guys' take on this. So Ben goes back to Detroit to retain his job as the offensive coordinator. Guys, we know he's been one of the hottest coordinators the last three years. This podcast, by the way, ahead of the curve, was talking about Ben Johnson. Baldy was talking about him three years ago. Jason was talking about him three years ago. Nobody knew who this guy was. Now everybody knows who this guy is. All right. So props to my guys on this podcast. But fellas, we know this in the NFL. These jobs don't come along and you don't stay hot forever. So Ben Johnson decides I'm going back to Detroit and my first initial thought was Ben, (laughs) dude, go take the money. Even if you fail, you're going to be a coordinator in this league for a long time. Don't Miss out on your opportunity when the iron is hot right now. So just devil's advocate. Boldy, what do you know about him going back to Detroit? I just felt like this is your time to go. Mm-hmm. We saw it with Eric B. Enemy, and I know everybody's situation is different. But he went from being the hottest coordinator in the league
3: to nothing. Like
1: nobody was hiring him. Nobody was interviewing him.
3: Well, so, it's I, interesting. You know, it's a weird it, it, deal. You know, it's interesting. Two years ago, when the Lions were featured on Hard Knocks with the NFL and HBO, They hid, they purposely hid Ben Johnson. They knew that this was going to be a big spotlight. They put Deuce Daly out there, Dan Campbell. They put a lot of guys out there. They put Ben out there. Like you came out of that show after five or six episodes, whatever it was, and you really didn't hear from Ben Johnson. Like they were trying to hide him. They knew because they were, this was, they were going to, when he opens his mouth, you're going to see some of the ideas and the intelligence, whatnot. So they did a good job there. Now we know who he is. You know, you always – this is a big thing with Harbaugh going out – Jim Harbaugh going out to Los Angeles, and I talked to him on the sidelines. Like, the wife has something to do with this. He's a young guy. You know, the wife likes Detroit. She likes what Dan Campbell has built, the culture, how they get along, how they integrate. Like, she's fine. She's not looking to get out of Detroit. Some people might think that's the wrong move. So that was part of it. And then they honestly feel like they have all these young talents. You know Gibbs and I'm on Ross St. Brown and Jameson Williams. They have all this young talent, and they know they have a chance of being pretty good. And I really feel like Dan didn't say, "I need you stay with me." I mean, if Dan thought that he could go to Washington and get a head job, Dan was going to hold him back. This was all Ben Johnson going. I want to finish what we started here, and I really believe that's a part of it. Now, I don't know a lot of external extenuating circumstances um, if he left. Uh, Washington at the altar by what he did. And I'm sure that that's the appearance of it. But I really believe that the wife, Ben, the culture, Dan Campbell, the young players of the team drew him back into that, that family. Good move, Jason, or bad move?
2: I I can't, I mean, if if he's comfortable with it, then it's the right move for him. I, I would just say in this business, especially as a young head coach, and going through this the first time with these billionaires, perception becomes reality and the bedside manner, the way it was handled. Like I think there's got to be an emotional, intelligent quotient that comes with this. And you've got to be, if you're harboring these kinds of thoughts and you don't express them through the first interview to the point where you allow your agent to schedule second interviews and you allow these people to schedule trips to come and see you, you know what I mean? And you mm. allow them to get on the plane. Mm. So that could have been handled better. Like yeah. that, that, well, that's, you know, that, that's the part where I'm like, you know, you only do get so many bites at the apple. And do you really want to spend your next interview with a billionaire and you only get a few hours with them when your team's in the playoffs, you know, having to defend what the hell you did in the past. I, 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 I you know, you, you, there's a lot of time that passes between these interviews you know, he could have put a statement out before they played that game or early in the week. Hey, you know what, I, guys, I, once again, I, I got to just thank the Ford family. I got to thank Dan Campbell. My heart is here. My mind is here. My passion is here. My family's here. I'm going to remove myself from this process before I take any more time out of anybody else's processes because I know how hard it is to hire a coach in this league. I appreciate the opportunities I had and look forward to more in the future. I mean, that's off the top of my head. Nobody's given me 10% of nothing to do it. But like you could have put that out, you could have put that out at any point on your Twitter yeah. before that football game, and people will be championing you right now I'm not saying does this is there something in this guy's psyche that makes him think he ain't cut out for this job. Because if I'm gonna give you 12, how much you want, Ben? 10, 12, 15, if I'm giving that to you, you better damn sure sell me that th- your life, your career, your future, your mind, body, soul invested in making my football team a Super Bowl winner. Because anything less than that, it's not wasting my time. That's if I'm an owner, that's how I'm coming at. it. I want to find out right away. Well, all that's true,
3: about. except that all that is true, Jason. But sometimes you bet on yourself. What if they do get back to a championship game or to a Super Bowl next year? Good for him,
2: then.
3: I'm just saying, like sometimes better yourself. Let me just throw a name out there in Washington. Like, I believe Anthony Weaver is in play. Jason, you know who he is. Uh, I know you know who he is, Carl. But I'm just saying, this is a guy that's going to interview great. Yeah, this is this guy is extremely yeah. intelligent. He's played, been a coordinator. Um, I believe that if Anthony Weaver sits in a room with, with uh, you know, with Peters and, and and whoever else is in that room in the interview, like you're going to be impressed by Anthony Weaver. Anybody that's ever met him, as a yeah. player, as a coach, administrator, all the stuff that he's done now. Like he's got to me, he has. A lot of the things that you want as a head coach. I would agree. And I know for a fact that he impressed
1: the brass here in Atlanta. So he had that first interview and everybody's like, who are the guys? You're absolutely right, Baldy, with that. It is interesting, the Ben Johnson thing. And you're right. I'll say this, Jason. There is no wrong or right. It's what's best for you. But what you just laid out, I could not agree with you more. And, you know, remember, guys, here's the other part about Ben. Last year, he took his he took himself out of it, right? Last year with Carolina, he was like, nah, I don't want that job. Thank you. I'm good. And everybody said, oh, okay, cool. First time around. Second time around, you handled this this way again. And it's like, mm. so I don't know if he's not ready or if this is just what like Baldy laid out. Hey, family, great situation, great young talent. Why the hell would I leave when we got a chance to get back? We will see what happens with the Detroit Lions. We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, Some of you, somebody's got to explain to me. How in the hell does he not have a job? We've got to talk about it, and we will when we come back on In the Huddle. Back on in the huddle, guys. Carl Dukes along with Brian Baldinger, Jason LaConfora. Okay, we're talking about the coaching hires, this coaching cycle. We're going to get to the Super Bowl next week. Trust us. We'll have plenty of Super Bowl conversation as we lead up to the game on, on, on February 11th Fellas, I think one is really good, and the other is considered to be the greatest of all time. How is Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick not – How do they not have a job opportunity? Forget about being hired. I mean, what is going on here? Are we seeing a trend, Baldy, in this league that may be going away from these type of coaches? I just find it fascinating that Brable did the job he did in Tennessee. There were eight, what, right, eight coaching jobs that were open, Jason, I think, eight, eight or nine. And he doesn't get one? He doesn't get an
3: opportunity to get one of those jobs? What's going on, fellas? I don't have an answer, Carl. I don't. I I can make a case for Belichick. The offense was so dreadful the last two years. Um, If he wants to run your personnel department, do you really want him to run your personnel department after some of the drafts that they have had? Uh, The record speaks for itself after Tom Brady. And I'm not knocking Bill Belichick because I would want his brain in my building, at least for a couple of years, to just, this is how you this is the culture you need in order to produce winners. But the, the Vrabel thing to me, I mean, this guy's in the prime of his life. He, re, he The respect he has from players. I was around him the final week of the season when they, you know, knocked Jacksonville out uh, the way that he did and how he got his team to play. And, you know, just two years ago, they were the number one seed in the AFC when he had a healthy quarterback and a healthy running back and a reasonably healthy yeah. offensive line. And they're the number one seed. I mean, this guy could coach. I like, when you're looking at guys, and look, the, the reason why it fell apart in Tennessee, I mean, anybody can read the tea leaves on, on the ownership and some of the things that happened there. That, that's not difficult, why somebody could get squeezed out. Um, but somebody that has a real football culture in their building, this is a proven winner. And this is a guy that I think can can coach at the highest level for a long time. And his the respect and the rapport he has with players – and now he pushes and pulls them. And you just have to watch him on the sideline game day yeah. to see how he, he can work the officials. He can he can get on a play. Like, there's nothing that frustrates me more, guys, when I see certain coaches, and you just had a, a stupid play by a defensive player, whether it's a late hit, you know, a, a broken assignment, whatever. And a player walks off the field, the coach doesn't even look at him. Like, I want my coach to fix this thing <laughs> right now. You're not doing this anymore. You're not getting back on the and I see so many coaches, but not by Mike Vrabor. Mike, 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 he's he fixes it in real time. He's not with these guys in the charts, looking at the next play. And what like he's looking at the, the game, reading the game, feeling the game, looking at his players, the opponent, ap- like he does it the right way. And it's shocking that he's not uh in play right now.
2: Well, I also think. He's a little bit old school, right? And sort of how he comes across his demeanor, some of the things he believes in. A little rough around the edges, you know, not super corporate, which is not what everybody wants. Uh, And they seem to be caught up in this model of like the thing that you micromanage, like your baby is it the quarterback is it the offense is it the defense like he's not you know what I mean he's not trying to call all the plays like he he's not trying to micromanage every single element of some part of that football team um and I wonder if that works against him like you look at his offensive units the last couple years not great right defense not great special teams like if you wanted to build a counter argument you could well, hey, why didn't you win more in your division? Your division sucks. You know what I mean? You, you, you got to in your division for two years. Now, I can give you a whole bunch of answers as to why, but, like, I, I kind of wonder if, if like, that's it. Like, some of these owners, especially ones, look how many of these ownership groups haven't done it before, right? Tennessee, never done it before. Washington, never done it before. Seattle, that group, never done it before. Tepper, he doesn't know how to do it. Like, he'll never know how to do it. Um and the jobs that didn't open up, Baldy. Like if Dallas opened up, Rabel might with the, the guy in Dallas. Like if Billy opened up, maybe that was maybe that maybe that's Rabel,
1: right? right.
2: It yeah. kind of seems like they're turning Sirianni into a Rabel. You know, he's not. They're picking coaches for him. He's not there to micromanage the offense or the defense. Right? He's there to hold people accountable, be the CEO, be the leader of men, get fifty-three to play as one. And I just, I just wonder if if Raple's ethos didn't really fit what these particular billionaires were looking for in terms of a football specialist in this regard. And let's be real, a quarterback specialist in some of these cases. Like, if Washington hires Anthony Weaver, that's awesome, and he deserves a shot and good for him. But let's not fool ourselves. Washington wanted somebody to coach the second overall pick who's going to be a quarterback. That's how this was set up. That's why the Ben Johnson pulling out has left them all flummoxed because now they got to pivot. They got to. They got to like, whoa, you know, like Tepper was hiring a quarterback guy. Tennessee, she wanted somebody for a quarterback, whether it's Levis now or the guy we draft next year. It, you know, it was going to be a quarterback guy, and then there were a few that weren't married to that. And it turns out McDonald got one of them, you know, and Frable did. Well, San Diego, well- a Chargers. They want a Herbert guy. They wanted a quarterback.
1: They went and got a quarterback. Their head coach is a quarterback. I uh it, it, the, the the thing about rough around the edges, just just real quick, as we're talking about Belichick and, and Vrabel. Baldy, um, and maybe this is just me. I I know we're all of a certain age. I have no issues with this shit. Oh <laughs> like God. guys that coach hard. That's right, and set a tone. And you come in the building, and there's an expectation—not this bullshit that we see now, where guys walking around and they're not listening. And I'm sorry, like I want that in my inner uh,
2: ears.
3: I well, want that. I look. I, I come from a culture that when that coach walked through the locker room, man, you straightened up. You just straightened up. You know, uh, you—it you, there, there wasn't that. And you know, look, there's only one Bill Parcells, but everybody. anybody that's been around Bill, played for him, coached with him, there was an intimidation factor about him. And it was one of the reasons why everywhere he went, he turned whatever program in the Jets, whatever program it was, he turned them into winners, the Cowboys. Like, it turned around quickly. And fear is still a good motivator. It doesn't have to be like that all the time. You have plenty of times to love people up. I'll tell you a quick story about Bill, and this is an example. like. You know, everybody wanted to be a Parcells guy, all right? They wanted to get on the good side of Bill. Yeah. And once you're on the good side, you almost you almost couldn't do anything wrong. Well, Pepper Johnson was a lot, young linebacker with the Giants, and they had Carl Banks, obviously LT. And Pepper was starting at the middle linebacker next to Harry Carson playing great football, and Bill never gave him any props. And it gets back to Bill that Pepper's ticked off, that he never says anything good about him in the film room. So Parcel's like, he takes this example, and Pepper was the wing on the extra point and field goal team. And so Bill's idea of giving him props was he go, walks into the special teams meeting and he goes, he stops the meeting. And he goes, I want you to watch, everybody watch number 52. This could be the best wing performance I've ever seen. <laughs> nothing about defense, nothing about tackles, nothing about lighting a quarterback up. Uh, we'll give him props as the wingman on a, like that type of interaction with players how you push certain buttons like that's what to me that's still the psychology of coaching and some of it sometimes is fear some of it is just all right you think you're good well and, and put them on the spotlight and, and put them on the hot griddle like all that stuff to me is fair and I, you could tell me modern players and you can't do that now well give me some team give me a good locker room full of those type of players we're gonna be a better team. Like I remember Jimmy Garoppolo one day. Um, I'm 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 down there talking to him on the field, and I'm like, and I he came off a rough game or whatever it was, and I go, Jimmy, do you ever have a bad day? Because he looks like this guy that just like he's walking yeah. on water. Everything's yeah 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 shining roses. He goes, Baldy, if you think every day is a good day, I want you to come to practice on a Wednesday, and and Sh- Shanahan's right down the the sideline. He goes, and you let me know what that guy is saying to me in my ear. And the earful I'm getting on Wednesdays. And you tell me if every day is a good is a good day. Like Kyle knows how to ride these guys hard too. So, and Andy does, you know. Yeah. So you have to have that element to you. You just do. Yeah. It's all part of the discipline and building the culture of a football team. And and I'm sorry, Mike Vrabel plays in my world in when you want to try to put a team together. And he'll get a job.
2: Like next year, you know what I mean? Like he'll he'll like Belichick? That's, I don't know. The shit may have Brable's Vrabel's going to get, there's no doubt in my mind, Mike Mike Vrabel's not done coaching in the NFL. Or, or maybe he decides that he wants to do college, which he could, and he started there. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe Ohio State flames out, and the Buckeyes, you know what I mean, or, uh, brass in November, are flirting with Vrabel, and he'll become, you know, He'll get the contract at Ohio State that 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 Harbaugh would have got had he stayed at Michigan.
1: Lots of things at play. Maybe
2: their loss is the NFL, but their gain is the NFL's loss.
1: But here, here's another interesting part. While we're talking about this, and Baldy, you said it. Uh, so Jer- Gerard Mayo, thirty-seven. Anthony Pierce, forty-five. Raheem Morris, forty-seven. Dave Canalis, forty-two. Brian Callahan is 39, and you just mentioned Mike McDonald is the youngest of the group at 36. The oldest guy in this coaching cycle is Harbaugh at 60, but he comes in, to Jason's point, with mad respect. Obviously, he's going to turn your quarterback situation around. He knows how to build. There's no fear there about hiring a 60-year-old Harbaugh. But all these other hires are young cats for the most part. Raheem is the only guy that's been a head coach, right, that gets another shot. Everybody else, it's like, hey, we're going to go young, and it just gets back to your Belichick comment, Jason. Maybe this is the turn. Maybe this is where you start to see this next group coming in, and you know,
3: nothing, no, no fault of Bills, but this is the turnover. This oh, is we, go. we, we, we saw it with Pete Carroll. They're basically the same age. Yeah, um, it's look, it's it's a young man's game. It just is on everything. You know, you want forty-year-old quarterbacks? Good luck. All right, good right. luck with 40-year-old quarterbacks. Um, they say like when when how old was Sean McVay when he got the job with the Rams? You know, right. uh, how old was you know John Gruden when he got his first job? Like it's it's always kind of been a young man's game, and then some guys can grow into it. Kyle Shanahan grew into it, um, paid his dues as a coordinator. But you know, I I, I believe in hiring young player, young people because of just the energy it requires, uh, because of uh, you need time to grow into the job. Nobody is a, a a finished product when they first get it. They need time to grow, and I just think, and I think there's just a relatable aspect to it, um, just culturally, uh, when you have young guys in there in that position, young guys that command respect. I mean, anybody's been around Sean McVay, you sure. he he'd need five minutes to understand like this guy could run a Fortune 500 company. It's it, it happens to be football right now, but his command is just is. is is remarkable at his age.
1: Thank you, Baldy. I appreciate that. (laughs) I love Sean. He's great. I really appreciate you being here. Hey, uh, We're going to come back. We're going to talk about a trend that's happening in college. That's leading to the pros. And I'm going to, we got to break this down because we just laid out these guys. Washington's the only team that hasn't hired their coach. Who has the best situation going into their first year? We'll talk about it next on In the Huddle. All right, Baldy, I want to get to what happened with the Packers. They bring in Boston College coach Jeff Halfley. He's going to be the new D.C. And a lot of people said, wait a minute, Boston College? Is it D.C. from college going to the pros? Why did they hire a pro D.C.? There are a lot of guys available. What's going on
3: here? Are we seeing a trend? Well, there is a trend for sure. But when you look at Jeff Halfley, I mean, he coached in the NFL. Four different teams he's been in the league for and he, he even at boston college he coached the defensive backs and that's what he was you know in tampa and cleveland a couple stops around the league like tamp like he's coached nfl players and he's you know he's done it for a while before he went back to you know to college aha state and then boston college so it's not like he, he doesn't know anything about the nfl he does but the trend is honestly like, like they just want what are the rules what are the rules in college? I mean, that's what everybody says. I mean, I, I had Matt Rule on one of my podcasts a couple of weeks ago, and he just got a quarterback that's basically getting paid, you know. A million dollars. He's getting more than a million. But, yeah, like, yeah. I, was, I was trying to equate it to what round. Like, he's he just got drafted yeah, right. in Nebraska right. in Like, I, you know, he's Whatever, a third-round yeah. pick of Nebraska's. So, you know, but, you know, Boston College is not going to be able to compete with Ohio State and with Clemson and Georgia and the teams that have, like, just ridiculous rich coffers. And they can't do that in a private school like that. And he knows that. And it's not about – like, he wants to coach. He doesn't want to administrate, and he doesn't want to have to just fundraise the whole time. And that's what these coaches at a school like Boston College – I went to Duke. My coach left to go to Texas A&M. Good luck trying to win at Duke right now. Uh, and, and compete the way you know Elko just did. It's going to be hard, and I think you're going to see a mass migration of college coaches coming to the NFL.
2: Well, even at the other end of the spectrum, Baldy, let's pivot from from you know quaint BC and let let's go down to Tuscaloosa. They couldn't get they let's be real about that coaching search. Like they didn't just go out and get any the first guy they wanted the moment they wanted him and. What started happening to the portal with Alabama the moment Saban retired? Like Saban. It took him a while to build a thing, the likes of which we'll never see again. It started disintegrating within a half hour of his, of his retirement getting out. Within a half yeah. hour telling those kids, I'm done. But the migration has started. Like, so that's the landscape. Like, that's how quickly it could crumble. And how many of these dudes are going to turn into Nick Saban?
3: Not many. Well, the the, the other part to it, and we all know this, this isn't like revelation, but, you know, the, the NIL money is the NIL money. And and every coach says, I have no problem with players getting paid. They all say the same thing. The problem they have a problem with is the portal. Like, you can't develop kids anymore. I mean, there was a time you went to Penn State, let's say under Joe Paterno. You redshirted your first year. You know, and then by the time you got to your senior year, you had five years. but yeah. I understand, like, you know, they've got kids at the Senior Bowl now that aren't seniors, right? They're juniors. Right. So uh it's all changing. I understand all that. But you can't sit a quarterback for a year anymore and let him learn and wait. Sure. Like, he's gone. So you can't build anything anymore. You can't develop anything. If the player gets beat out, he's trans- – they don't even finish the season out. They already put themselves in the – so you're getting kids – like I'm studying for the senior bowl right now because I gotta do something on Saturday. But like these kids are at four and five schools now. Yeah. It's it's, it's and and they're in this you know, like the pandemic was a pandemic, I get it. But like some of these kids, they've been there for six years. Benix you know, Michael <laughs> Penix is a six year player. Yeah. Um like he's gonna get drafted, but he's 25 years old. You know what I mean? Like, so it's it's all it's changing so rapidly that these college coaches are like, let me go to the NFL. Look, I I I got seven first round picks in green Bay yeah. for a coach that knows how to coach. Let me go, let me go put this secondary together. Let's, let's put the scheme together. And you know, I I've seen all the college offenses. That's what we're seeing in Detroit with Ben Johnson. Let's, let's go figure out a way to, to slow these guys down.
1: Um, I'll tell you what a coach told me. And and I thought this was interesting um, at one of the top programs. And he said to your point, Baldy, real quick about the portal, which NIL is NIL, right? I mean, if you've got a collective and you're gonna pay these kids, just that's what it is. The portal is killing college football. And this is a side note, all right, to our NFL conversation. It's gonna, it's killing college football. So one prominent coach said to me, he said, Look, let's just take the best quarterback in the country and we're recruiting him. And we spend 18 to 20 months, okay, hard. Yeah. Calling him. We're doing everything we can. He comes for an unofficial visit. He comes for an official visit. You're doing this for 20 months. Kid says, I'm coming, coach. Great. He's committed. We got to keep him right there until signing day. Just because we know that doesn't stick, he signs. Oh, we spent 22, 24 months getting this kid. It's great. We got the number one quarterback in the country. Kid gets there, and we tell him, you got to earn it. Kid says, shit. I mean, (laughs) come on, coach. I just passed up all these other offers. I mean, are you kidding me? You got to sit a year. Kid says, "Screw this! I'm going to the portal." And he says, "We just spent resources for two years on one kid, and we went all in. He never plays a down for us, and he's gone." And he says, "That right there in itself, and it's nonstop, Baldy. Yeah. These college coaches aren't getting time off anymore. Yeah. This idea, like, hey, I'm going to take four weeks off. There is no four weeks off. You keep recruiting because you've got to be filling that void. Keep of recruiting your own kids. That kid that's going to do just that." Or, as the coach said to me, kid comes, plays a year, doesn't like it for whatever reason, and says, ah, coach, I'm going to go into the portal. It's a no-win.
3: Well, the other part, and obviously nobody wants to talk about this part, is, like, is anybody getting an education? Is, <laughs> these, I mean, like, what what courses transfer? What's your right. major? What are you graduating with? Are you graduating? Yeah. Or anybody going to graduate? Or is it right. just about you know, building my resume to go to the NFL because the NFL is going to get shortchanged in all this because these kids aren't developing. They're not ready. And, you know, you go from one system to another. One one system, they don't practice hard. It's walkthroughs. another system. This is how we grind. Like, you look at Lyman, and I'm just studying these kids right now. They're not ready? They, well, they you might know what, though? But they haven't played a lot of football. Like, you know, some of these kids are playing three games here, six games here. And at the end, they played 18 games, like, you and know, a year.
2: I agree with you thousand percent, Baldy, but you know that, the, like, the corollary to that is, hey, NFL, you've been content to let colleges be your triple-A and double-A for 50 years? Get off your ass and create a spring. Get involved in a real spring league. Throw real money at a true developmental situation. Run your own version of the senior bowl, right? Do one in the fall and one in the spring. And the kids who are truly old enough, who can make even more than what the NIL would give them, but don't want to go in the NFL yet, give them, whether the, and that whether that is and the USFL or whatever that is, you need to be it. in bed with these people. You need to have a holistic approach to it. And you mm-hmm. should be doing a fall and a spring, your version of a senior ball for, for second year players, third year players at college. Like there's so a whole like different like way to real, start looking at this. Like but I don't if the, know if the owners will do it because they don't want, they don't like to spend money on research development. People like they oh. want to spend money on things where they get immediate bang for their buck. Let's go play a game on the moon, let's go play a game in Brazil, let's go play a game in China. They do want to do stuff like that. Brazil, I want to go to that game.
3: I I'm, to with I Brazil. Want to get I'm trying to get that done, Carl. Myself,
2: I'm trying to go. you know what they're going to call that game? That's the Baldi Bowl.
3: Final 40 days, put a ball to the bone. I'm, I'm I'm in. Uh, you right. working on my Portuguese. On a big,
2: big bada boom, yeah.
3: So, Baldy, uh, let's talk about this
1: as we wrap up here. In your opinion, based on what we know right now, and guys, we know this. Jason and, and Baldy and I, we're going to talk plenty about free agency. We're going to talk plenty about the draft. All that is yet to come. But what we know right now, who has this first-year coach, who has the best situation do you think that they're going into all right, is it Gerard Mayo who just took over for Bill Belichick? Is it Antonio Pierce? Is it Raheem Morse? Is it Harbaugh? Is it Dave Canales, Carolina? Remember, they don't have a first-round pick this year. Is it Tennessee with Brian Callahan, or is it Mike McDonald, Baldy? Who
3: is it, in your opinion? Well, the the, the quick answer for me is is Harbaugh, because he's got a, he's got a great young quarterback, and he just needs to build. The, the toughness in the system that he's gonna build that that's a good situation uh and he wants to be there like he like it might this might be his final who knows but it might be his final stop yeah I can see and and he's all we know the way he operates um that that's gonna be a good situation but I also think <clears throat> the continuity that the Raiders have with Antonio Pierce is a good situation. Defensively he kept his staff Patrick Graham defense line coach Rob Ryan Rob Leonard like He's got a staff, so I think that can be a good situation if they figure out what the offense wants to be. The quarterback situation. A lot of teams are in that predicament, but I also think Raheem has a good situation in Atlanta. He's got he's got a quality defense and a quality offense line, and he's got real horses at specific spots on offense. They got to get the quarterback situation figured out, but I but I but I feel like Raheem has a chance in a division that's not strong. Um, Tampa just had coaches just got plucked right off that staff. They're, they're scrambling. Yep. Um. So I feel like Raheem's in a good spot. Antonio's in a good spot, but maybe the best spot is just what I believe Harbaugh can be. I remember just listening to, to Jim on the sideline Sunday and there was a player. I'm not going to name the player, but there's a player that plays for the Ravens. He's like, he was talking to, you know, he was talking to everybody on the sideline. He's like, that guy's coming with me. I, that, there's no way he's not going to be a, a a Charger next year. Like, he's already – <laughs> Poking guys? players from his brother's team, <laughs> and he's taking them out to the Chargers with them. Like, yeah. he, knows, he knows how it's got to look, and he knows the type of toughness, the type of players that he needs there. And there's a Raven that I heard him talking about that I know he's going to be a Charger, just, yeah. just how emphatic he was about it. Jason, who do you think? I'm
2: gonna I'm gonna throw a dart at Patrick Queen, by the way. Um, as who that who that, who that may, or may not have been. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a heavy dart. <laughs> I'm gonna throw a loaded dart. You guys drafted Kenneth Murray five years ago. Here's the real deal. They were in the he's same air class. This guy's a free agent. We're gonna upgrade. Um, I think Harbaugh's in the I mean that's the best position. He's got a he's got a franchise quarterback just entering his prime. They have some other talent, and Jim Harbaugh doesn't go there unless he knows the owner's committed to keep spending. You're not just going to spend on my coaches. You're going to spend on my players, too. Um, I really, honestly feel like McDonald could be the second-best spot. Like, that team is in the playoff equation already. I don't think you're going to the promised land with Gino. You could win 10, 11 games in the NFC next year with Gino and go to the playoffs with him fixing the defense. You don't have to go out in the marketplace and find out how healthy Kirk Cousins is. Right? You don't have to find your bridge quarterback, you have to go bid for Gardner Minshew. The bridge guy's already there, and you can keep a lot of things offensively intact on that side of the ball. Um, I honestly think this might be crazy. I think the third best situation could be the one that hasn't been filled yet. If you it, like, they're loaded with picks because of what they did at the deadline, trading the defensive ends. If you pick the right quarterback, you're gonna have your pick of any quarterback in the country not named Caleb Williams, and this owner if he wasn't already committed to come in and compete after the way this thing has the way, you know, Oh, nobody wants to come work here. And Oh, you guys don't think this is a great job. Oh, you'd rather stay in Detroit with Jared. Go- All right, I'm going to show you how great of a job this is. We're going to get a stadium built. We're going to get a practice facility built and we're going to start kicking ass next year. Like, I think, I think Josh Harris now is like, Oh, so you guys think I'm just some rube from the NBA. Okay. Like, <laughs> There's potential, and I think the world of Peters. I think Peters is a great hire. I think he's going to be a really good GM. He comes from a winning culture, he's been around smart people. Was what the first person lynching those guys brought in the building? So I still think whoever gets that job could be in a great situation, short and long term. It's a great point, Jason. Just because we
1: don't know who the coach is yet, the circumstances are good. Surrounding that situation, they're better than I think most people realize, especially with Josh Harris. And here's the deal he's been he's a, he is a sports owner, he understands yeah. it. He's got two yeah. other teams, he gets it. He's not a first time multi billionaire businessman coming in and trying to figure it out. So, I'm with you. I think he's got a good, good place, uh, a good starting point with this Redskins. You with know, that, just, to,
3: just to make a, a short little comparison, you could do this every year with these coaching hires. But I remember when the Eagles were interviewing three years ago, and Brandon Staley was at the top of the list, and Arthur Smith was at the top of the list, yeah. and both guys went to other places, and they were like kind of left holding the bag, and it took a while before they found Nick Sirianni. Now you could debate yeah. Nick Sirianni right now after the, the collapse this year, but they were in the Super Bowl last year, and he did inherit a four eleven and one team, and went right to the playoffs and then to the Super Bowl, and people were saying like, "Who's Nick Sirianni?" and You know, we missed out on Stale. We missed out on Smith. Well, they got the right guy over those two. Okay. yes. So sometimes because, you know, people are like, well, what are they waiting for? And what's it going to look like for the fan base that they didn't get their guy? And all the stuff that's being said about the commanders. I know Josh Harris because I know what he did with the Sixers. Like, there's no expense that he won't use to get the best coach, the best staff, the best facilities the best everything like that guy the sixers are first class and when he went to the devils the same like he knows what it takes to put a winning organization together so it won't be long to jason's point the defense needs to get fixed they need a lot of help but that's that's raheem's job you know eyeball that thing and, and put it together nobody did more with rookies in los angeles this past year than what raheem did So um, I'm I'm not that far away from what Jason's saying about the Washington job. When we come back next week, guys, it is
1: all about the Super Bowl. Is Purdy going to outplay arguably the best quarterback that we've ever seen? Are the Chiefs and that defense going to be able to slow down the 49ers and vice versa? We've got great linebackers with the 49ers that I think are going to give the Chiefs problems. We're going to break down this game seven ways a Sunday and start to really dig in to what we may get on Super Bowl Sunday. I think all three of us just want one thing, a very entertaining game. At the end of the day, that's all we want. But we've got time to do that. We're going to break it down next week. Follow Baldy, follow Jason, follow me, and put him up, see Dukes social media and make sure you like this podcast subscribe and tell your friends guys it's in the huddle fellas can't wait to see what's going to happen in the super bowl and we'll get into that next week we'll talk then
0: 2400 sports is an odyssey company